just, just a word. You know, I've never really had this kind of situation and had this opportunity really where God just speaks a word to me that really is like for, for, for men, for fathers. I mean, you may be here and you may be a mom. The, the word is true, whether it's, it's related to, to men, whether it's related to fathers, whether it's related to you or children or whatever that might be. The word is true. I'm just going to share the word a little bit here today. But it's specifically for fathers. That 25% of fathers live away from their kids. That, that really hit me uh, this week as I saw that and as I read that. Just the idea that, that all of those homes would be in a place or, or have situations where there wouldn't be a dad present, somebody sharing and teaching and leading and guiding. You know, in our home it was like that, and so I know that it's possible. If you live in that kind of home, don't worry, it's okay. God will become your father. You know, he is the greatest father that there ever was. We call him God the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So he is dad, and, and in my life he was dad. But then Pastor Bill came along, and I've been very happy to have two dads. I had one that lived in Indiana, one that lived in Oklahoma. And uh, I learned a lot from both of them, and I'm very proud of both of them. I think they've both done a wonderful job in helping raise us as kids. And I believe that the things that they instilled in me, I learned from their successes, and I may have learned from their failures. But the things that they instilled in me, I hope to, to improve on and to be a better father even to my children as I go. So today, as you go and you are a guy here and a father, whether you were... Uh, Ward Cleaver in your home, or whether you were Cliff Huxtable, or maybe Howard Cunningham, always doing things right, or maybe you were Al Bundy and Homer Simpson. You know, I don't know who you might be, but we've got a little gift for you. And Elizabeth said she wanted to give all the dads a cold one. And I said, Woo, yeah! And so it's uh, root beer, though. So um, there's some cold root beer at the door. So if you're a dad here today and you can get your cold one on us, Elizabeth was going to buy everybody a cold one. So I thought that was a great idea, even though it is root beer. It's still a great idea. <laughs> I wanted to share first that, you know, we were made in his image, and he is the father. He's God the father. And then he created us in Genesis chapter 1, you know, 26 through 28. You can look there because God was very excited. He was excited about the family. He was excited to have, have, have us, mankind, to have children, to have fellowship with and to have relationship with. So on Father's Day, I don't think it's any... Uh, strange thing that we talk and share just a little bit about the heart of a father and how much father God loves us. But in turn, what, I, what God began to show me was we were made just like him. You know, we were made just like him. And in our home, there was my mom and she relied on God, but she was also the mom and the dad. And it was, it was, it was not easy for her to be those two roles, but she could be those two roles because God is the father and he's made us in his image. And so there are those opportunities and there are those situations, and I believe that God covers us in those places. He says, let us make man in our own image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the things that creep on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Be more dads. Be more moms. Be more families. See, be fruitful and multiply, not just one time, not just this is yours and nobody else is going to come around and be a part of it. This is yours. You have dominion over everything. Now go be fruitful and multiply. Make families. See, that's one thing that I think the enemy, that's why this idea of 25% of dads don't live with their kids is a big deal. The enemy knows that the family is important. The enemy knows that family is God's plan. And if he can break up the family, then he can at its grassroots begin to affect everybody that lives on the face of the earth. Now, those are choices, those are situations, those are things that arise and people make mistakes. God will turn all those things around for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. I, I'm proof of that. So when people come and say, well, there's no hope for me, yes, there is. Well, I live in a single-parent home, me too. Well, you know, all of those things, I, I know it's okay, it's tough. There's work, it, but, but you can do it. 
And in my life, you know, I had two good dads, but I had to learn. I had to pay attention. I had to become a dad too. And I didn't do everything right. I had to really pay attention to what God was speaking. And I'll share a little bit of that as, as we go. But the thing that I want to see here is that God made us in his image and he was the father. And he put us in this earth and told us to be fruitful and to multiply, which meant to me, then, then we need to be the ones who go out there and be fruitful and multiply. And then not just multiply numbers numerically, but multiply spiritually too in the ones who God gives us. See, this isn't just a deal that says, okay, just go procreate and make kids. It's about make kids and then raise kids. Because then he told us, didn't he, in his word, that if you will train up a child in the way that they will go, when they are old, they will not depart from it. I have people who come and, you know, their kids have been a mess or their house is a wreck and they think God's going to fix this today. Well, you didn't train them anyway. That's, that's difficult. Now, I do believe anything's possible with God and you're going to have to buckle down and we're going to have to make some changes. But for those of you who have trained your children and maybe they've wandered off, don't worry, they'll come back. The prodigal son came back and the father, it says, was looking. See, it says the father saw him afar off. The father's eye was to the road thinking about the one who was lost and the one who wasn't there. You know, it's in your DNA to be like Jesus. If you look in Romans in chapter 8, God didn't just create you like him. He also created you, and he knew all about you, and he put this on the inside of you so that you would be like Jesus, his son in this earth. It says in verse 29, For whom God foreknew, he also predestined, that's us, to be conformed to the image of his son. Even before time, he knew that if we're going to turn our hearts and we're going to follow after God, then he's put on in the inside of you, he's put the DNA that can become replicated to be like Jesus in this earth. It says that he did that to us. He put that on the inside of us, that we, that Jesus might be the firstborn among the many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called, these he called, these he also justified, and to whom he justified, these he also glorified. And if you look look at that scripture... And you, you go back, and Sandy can put it up on the board for you. But in the message, if you go there and, and, you, and you look at that, it, it says it just a little bit more clearly. And I wanted to read that to you real quick here in Romans in chapter 8. In the Message Bible, if you look in verse 29, it says that, uh, God, that God knew what he was doing from the very beginning. He decided from the outset to shape the lives of those who loved him along the same lines as the life of his son. The son stands first in the line of humanity, See, the son stands first. He was the one who was first restored. But then who all comes after him? All of us. Well, what hope do we have? Well, the blood of Christ is the hope that we have to be saved. Yes, but what hope do we have? Because we say that we're supposed to be like Jesus in this earth. Well, the hope that we have is the fact that he made us and created us in his image. And somewhere down on the inside of you is the DNA that's like Jesus. See, not only are you now adopted into his household, not now are you an heir to who he is. Now you can be like him because he takes that very DNA then and begins to replicate it in your life so that you can be like Jesus in this earth. It says so. It says he knows what he was doing from the outset. The son stands as the first line of humanity that was restored. We see the original and the intended shape of our lives in him. After God made that decision in verse 30 of what his children should be like, he followed it up by calling each person by name. After he called them by name, he set them on a solid basis with himself as we are. And then it says after, he, after that, then he greeted them and, and got them established. He stayed with them to the end, graciously completing what he had begun. And he said, well, how does, that, how does that apply to me? In your life, that's who you are. You now, I mean, this says you have the opportunity to be like Jesus, not just because the door is open, not just because the blood was shed, but because he made you that way. He created you that way. In the same way that your children are created like you. They can tell that they're your children by a DNA test. 
I watch CSI. I know stuff. Right? They always test them. They go, ah, there's pater- it's paternal. How do you know that? You know? And they, they, they do it like, they, they, they do that really, really quickly on TV too. They open up their mouth. They put a little swab. And then they know that that kid's related to that adult. Why? Because of the DNA. It's the same. And see, you're a child of God. You are part of his household. And how does, that, how does that happen or how can you tell? Because your DNA is the same. It says that. You know, you look at your little kids and you look in their eyes and you think, man, that one looks just like me. Maybe some of you shudder a little bit and think, that one acts just like me. <laughs> and you go, hmm, I'm not sure. See, Jesus knew in John in chapter, in chapter 5, verse 19, he says, I don't do anything that the Father doesn't do. See, he follows the father, and as, and as children, don't your children, many times they want to be like dad, or they want to be like mom, or they, you know, I mean, it just depends on who that situation is and, and what's going on, but they, they end up being like your dad. <coughs> Excuse me. And when, when, when Daniel was little, I shared this on a Wednesday night, I think, a little while ago, you know, when he was little, he, he wanted to be like me. He would dress up in all of my stuff. You know, he would put on my steel-toed boots, and he would put on my little shirt, and he would, he would put on my hard hat, he would drag my little lunchbox you know, around the house. And he, he, wanted to be, he wanted to be like me. He loved big trucks, loved diggers, loved all that stuff. And I worked at SIA at the time. So I was around all of that equipment. Then I worked at Caterpillar and he just, he wanted to come and sit in the fork trucks and he, he thought that was great. He wanted to be like dad. He, he even wanted to do all the bad things dad did, right? I shared that a little while ago too. He said, I'm gonna drink beer like my dad. That's when I began to think, oh, you know, this isn't so cute. You know, for a little bit, it was kind of cute. You know, I'd take him into the liquor store with me and they'd give him a pretzel. You know, and I'd get beer, and we'd go out, and we'd go do our thing, and, and he'd hang with me. But he, he liked that. He told Grandma, that's where my dad gets his beer. She said, oh, well, you know, <laughs> they even tell on you when they're this big, man. He's like, that's where my dad gets his beer. I get pretzel there. That was the last thing I needed to know. You take him inside? Ah, I can't leave him in the car. That'd be irresponsible. <laughs> Stand here by the counter, boy. <laughs> I wasn't the greatest father. <laughs> But I'm getting better. But see, he, he wanted to be like me, and so he would even fight with Grandma and tell her that he wanted to be like me. And, you know, and it was kind of cute at first, but then I started realizing that's not, that, that, there's something wrong with that. And so I would try to correct him. See, and how many of us, we, we know that maybe what we're doing isn't correct, but then when we see it in our child, we want to fix our child because we know that's going to harm them. Why don't we fix us? See, why don't, why, don't, why don't we change? See, and then all, it, was, it was cute for a little while, and it bothered me you know, to a degree. But then as he got a little bit older, see, as he got a little bit older, and he began, he, he's 10 years old, then he was 12 years old. And we, 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 he was in, starting in middle school. And all of a sudden, I started to hear this anger. And I started to hear this angst. And see, we're like the father. We've been created like him. See, if we hang around with him, if we spend time in his word, if we spend time in prayer, like the video said, if we spend time loving our wife and loving our children, if we spend time following after him, then that DNA has begun to be replicated in our life and we become more like him. But if we don't, then we become the opposite. And this little dude had been hanging with me and he didn't have the greatest model. And all of a sudden, he started this, this angry part of him would come out. He'd be frustrated. He'd be upset. And then he would smash something. Or he'd get, he'd get angry and he'd say something. And he wasn't necessarily coming against us. He wasn't necessarily rebelling against us. But I could tell there was a seething, seething side to him. There was an anger that was boiling underneath. And then one day, he did something. And I looked at him. And, and, and it was just like just an instant that God spoke to me and said, See, it's just like you. Oh, that cut me to the heart. 
because I've been trying to figure out what's wrong with this little guy. Why is this a problem? Why are you acting like that? Why are you, why, what is the deal, man? It's okay. Everything's great. Yet this thing happened. And then it all came back to me. Yes, I wanted to fix him. Yes, I wanted to help him. Yes, I wanted to, to share with him and teach him and do all those kind of things. But what God began to show me was you need to change. And if you change, then he'll change because he's going to be like you. And so in your home, I would just share that with you. You know, because your children will begin to imitate the things that they see. Ephesians 5.1 says that we're supposed to be imitators of God as dear little children in this earth, that we're supposed to be following him. Now, I, I was following after God. I wasn't doing anything heinous at the time. I was, do, I was working here and doing things, and I, I was all right. But there was that side of me. It didn't come out often. It didn't come out much. But every now and then there would be that anger. Every now and then there would be that outburst. Every now and then there would be that thing. And again, there was apology, and I'm sorry, and I shouldn't act like that, and some of that. But, but see, what I've had to learn to do is to not act that way. Don't act that way, then apologize. Just don't act that way. See, don't go there. Don't be that. Don't. Why? Because it's not just affecting me. I saw it affecting him. And when I saw it affect him, then it really became real to me that I needed a change, that I made a difference. See, it says that Jesus came into this world because God loved us, and he loved us so much that he gave. And he did what? He gave his life. So as a father, as a man in our household, as a man with our children, our job is to serve, to serve them, to serve their mother, just like the video said, showed us how to love mom. Pastor Bill's taught me how to love mom. He taught me that at 10 o'clock at night, if mom wants yogurt, you smile and give her a kiss and go get yogurt and come back and give it to me. And you do all those kind of things. Pastor Bill never got upset, didn't ever seem to do those kind of things. He always laid his life down for us. Then God began to show me and share. Jesus did the same thing. Why are we not doing the same thing for our children? We did. Jesus didn't come into this world to be served. He came into this world to serve. You didn't get placed in this household in which you live to be served. You got placed in the household in which you have with the family that you have, with the children that you have, to serve them. That's why we're here, and that's what we're about. And it gets a little quiet here, but that's all right. It's true. Now, I may be of a younger generation, and I may be just a little bit more frilly than all the rest, but I'm telling you right now, it makes my life exciting. It makes my life happy. So I'm just telling you, the Word of God says, serve, serve. The Word of God says, be humble, be humble. You ain't the man in the house. No, you're the dad. And because you serve them, they love and respect you. But if you want to be the man in the house, you're going to be, you're going to be in for a fight. It's going to be tough. And you can be right all day long and still be wrong. But if you walk in love, you'll always be correct. Better to be correct than right. Just a little side note. I, I just, because the next thing on your list is you have to walk in love. And these next couple things are just important. Things that I've learned and things that I've tried to do. Things that, of course, Pastor Bill and my father have taught me some different things here and there, but <clears throat> mainly when it comes to spiritual things and comes to the Word, Pastor Bill taught me to walk in love. Because if you don't have love in your life, if you don't have love operating in your household, you don't have anything. And everybody may smile, everybody may bow to you, and everybody may, may respect you out of fear, but if you don't have love, you don't have anything. You have to walk in love. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1. If you read it in the Message Bible, it's up here. you have it on the Message, Sandy? 
It says, if I speak with human eloquence and angelic ecstasy, but don't have love, I am nothing but a creaking, rusty gate. You see, if you don't have love, you can say all you want, you can smile all you want, you can look all you want, but if you don't have love, you're a gate, a creaky, rusty gate. It says, if I speak with God's word with power, revealing all his mysteries and making everything plain as day, and if I have faith that says to move a mountain, jump and it jumps, but I don't have love, I'm what? Nothing. See, if you're a father in this world today and you don't operate in love, there's nothing. Now, there's correction. There's all those things. I, yes, there is, there is a whole side of discipline. There's, there's all of that, and I believe in all of that, and I practice all of that. But it has to be done in love. First and foremost, it has to be done in love. It says, God so what the world loved. We know that God is what? Love. If we're supposed to be like him, then we should walk in love. Verse 3 says, if I give everything I own to the poor and even go to the stake to be burned as a martyr, but I don't have love, I've gotten nowhere. So no matter what I say, what I believe, and what I do, I'm bankrupt without love. See, too many people in the world today are trying to operate without love. I want to have the rules. I want to have all of these things. I want to have everybody do what I say. I want to have the situations and relationships lined up the right way. But, but there's no love. And if there isn't love, it doesn't matter how nice it looks. If there isn't love, it doesn't matter how good you can do it sometimes. If there isn't love, it doesn't matter how nice you are some of the time. It doesn't matter how many nice things you say some of the time. It doesn't matter how much you give some of the time. If there's not love, there's nothing. It says that faith acts and works how? By love. So if we're going to walk in faith, if we're going to be fathers in our homes, if we're going to be great husbands to our wives, if we're going to do these things, then we must operate in love. His love, not the world's version. His love. And his love gave his life. That's why I say to those young men who come and they're getting married and I listen to them and I, I, I smile and I do all these things and I talk about the marriage ceremony and I say, you know, it says in the word of God that you're supposed to, the lady, the woman is supposed to submit to the husband, blah, 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 blah. And they get this little look in their eye and the guy kind of gives this little thing like, uh-huh, that's when I pounce. Because about one time he goes, uh-huh, so I'm saying, I said, I told you. That's, that's the time when I can get in there and say, listen, pal, you're wrong. It does say that she's supposed to submit to you, but it also says that you're supposed to love her like Christ loved the church, and Christ gave his life for the church. He laid himself down and died for her. Now, will you lay yourself down and die? See, if you know that, if that's part of your heart, then you don't go like, uh-huh, see, I told you. There isn't any of that. And I tell the lady, it's okay, honey. It's okay to say submit because there's protection there for you. I say, it's all right. That's God's order, and that's the way that it's supposed to be because he's going to love you like Christ loved the church, correct? <laughs> and he goes, uh-huh, okay. And then I tell him, if he doesn't, you let me know. And I will come remind him again that that is the way that he's supposed to act. I'm not usually that bold, but, I, but I've started to be. It's important. It's important. See, the whole thing operates and works on love. And if there's not love in your home, then what's going to happen? Your children, I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that even if I made mistakes, even if I screwed up, I was loved by my dad or by Pastor Bill. When I came home, I had to go to my dad because I had just squandered away lots of money. I spent three years at a private school at ORU, and he paid cash for all of it. 
I lived on campus and just lived the life and had a .8 grade point average to prove it. I was stellar, Lance. You, you wouldn't even believe. <clears throat> so, I, I mean, when I came back, you know, I mean, I had to, I had to, I had to go to my dad and I had, I had to say, I, you know what, I have screwed up and I've made a mistake. Uh, and I've, I've, you know, this was, that was hard. I mean, that was hard for me. I, really, I, was, I wasn't scared of him, but I really felt bad for what had happened. But listen, I mean, this is the way that he responded. And he wasn't, he wasn't saved. He didn't know any difference, but he loved me. See, there was love. He loved me. And I, you know, I, I laid it all out real quick and kind of told him all that had happened. And he, he looked at me and he kind of nodded his head and he said, it's all right. We can't do anything about that anymore. Let's just forget about it. You're forgiven, and let's just move on. I mean, you know me. I mean, I, I was like, I was like, oh, what? I was braced for all of it. You know, I thought, man, this could get ugly. You know, but he said it's okay. It's all right. Says love. You're forgiven, and he said, he said, forget about it, and never again. He never brought it up to begin with. But never again did that, did that subject ever come. Never came back. He forgot it. He just let that go. See, that's forgiving and that's forgetting where you are. That's love. It says, and look at this in, in relationship to you as a, as a woman or as a man in this place today. But if you're here and you're a father, look at this next set of scriptures in your own life, in your own eyes. Because in, in verse 4 through 8 or 7, really, it begins to spell out what is love. Because if we're going to say we need to walk in love, then what is love? If I'm going to be a man of God in my home and I'm going to walk in his love and I'm going to love my wife and I'm going to love my children the way that I ought and the way that I'm supposed to, then, then how should I act? Or in other senses, in other cases, how shouldn't I act? If you read these scriptures, then you'll see. <coughs> Excuse me. My daughter loved me so much that she gave me a horrible cough on vacation. I love her. It says in verse 4 that love is patient and love is kind. See, is that the way that you respond in your home? Is that the way you act? Is that what you're known for? Is, is that what your children see? This isn't a thing to bring you down. This is a thing to say this is the way we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be patient and kind. If you pray for patience, I don't remember where I saw this, but it just, I just saw it on a TV show or a video, or where did I see that? Huh? Evan Almighty. Yeah, that's a great movie where the guy becomes Noah. <laughs> that's good stuff. But he said, if you pray for patience, do you think God gives you patience, or does he give you opportunities for patience? See, God, I want to be more patient, then he's going to put you in more opportunities that require patience because it's already in there. See, it's already in there. It's in the DNA. But you have to be in a place and in a situation where it gets drawn out. It says, love is patient, love is kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud. See, it's not boastful, it's not rude, it's not proud, but love is patient, love is kind. You can still be firm, you can still be a father, you can still lead, there can still be discipline, there can still be all of those things in love. It goes on, though. When it says love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. And it keeps no record of being wronged. 
See, it's not you always do this. And I follow, I mean, I have these issues. I have these problems. I come up with these things. I say this stuff. My daughter's here. I can't lie. She will flat out stand up and tell you. (laughs) I have to be honest. I, I struggle with these same issues that you do. Why? Because we're flesh and we're being more like, becoming more like. We're headed more to be more like Jesus. And so in our life, the idea is that tomorrow we be more like him than we are today. See, the next time, see, I, I, you learn from your mistakes. You, you get confidence from your victories, but you learn from your mistakes. So you should be the most confident, smartest person around because you've made a lot of mistakes, but you've also had some victories. So you've also seen victory in your life. It goes on and it says, it does not rejoice about injustice, but it rejoices whenever the truth wins out. This basically, this last part says that you're the cheerleader in your home. It says you're excited about what's going on. You're excited about who God gave you as your wife. You're excited about who God gave you as children. You're jumping up and down. Your children and your wife should be your best friends because they're the ones that God put you with. You didn't choose them. Now you think, well, I chose my wife. Yeah, but God had her designed and planned and made for you. And those little ones, they fell out from you guys. They're not wolves. (laughs) They're not the enemy. They're your best friends. The relationship that we have with our children, is, it's just, it's just a, I don't think it's, it's, it's different in a bad sense. I just think it's, it's the, the relationship that we should have. I love them. They are fun. They're enjoyable. When they're not around, I miss them. We laugh. We talk. We do all those things. Do we disagree? Sure. Are they right sometimes? Sure. <laughs> Write that one down. Yeah, Rachel wants that clip to play on her phone. It'll probably be, it'll probably be a ringtone before it's said and done. <laughs> but that, but that's, we, we've, we've cultivated that relationship in love. See, they know, that they know that we love us. They don't know if they've made a mistake. They know if they've done this right or that wrong. It doesn't make any they, they know that we love them, and we always have loved them. We enjoy them, and we try to do this last part that says, we rejoice when the truth wins out. We never give up. We never lose faith. We're always hopeful, and we endure through every circumstance. No matter what we face, it's going to be all right. Come on. It's going to be okay. We're going to make it. See, and you can be that person in your home, whether there's a dad or whether there's not. You can be that person as the mom. You can be that person as the father. You can, should be that way as the parents, that you're working together in the raising of these young people who live with you. Now, you're a little older, and those young people have moved on and become older people like I. Well, that's all right. There's, either, there's other little ones, and you still have a voice, and you still have an ear. The two voices that I listen to probably the most in this world are Pastor Pam and Bill. Not because they've been my pastors forever, but because that's part of it, but because they're my parents. And I love them and trust them, and I know that they love me, and I know that they will want the, God's best for me, and that the wisdom that falls out of them is pretty much all the time God's word. I don't always get a lot of their opinion. Sometimes I want the opinion. That leads into the next thing, because Pastor Bill, I wanted his opinion all the time, and he never taught me his opinion. He taught me how to be led by the Spirit of God. And so if you're a father in this place, you can offer up your opinion. But as I shared with Daniel when he sent me the text that told me he bought a boat. (laughs) 
I think he waited until, see, we were in Florida for five days, and then we went to Cancun for five days, and so we were kind of incommunicado for a while. I speak Spanish now. And <laughs> but, but while we were there, I had some internet connection. I'd go up and check my, my text every now and then or my email, and I, I got a text of a boat in my driveway with a truck. <laughs> yeah. I looked at her and said, did he, did he, did he buy a truck? <laughs> yes, he bought a truck. Boat. He owns a truck. As well as his car. As well as a trailer, three lawnmowers, and now a boat. I park in the street, that's right. Just make sure I got that down. <laughs> Yesterday he backed it all in after he'd been to the lake with his mom and sister for four hours. About half crooked and got out and said, is that all right? And I said, I'm just telling you, man. This is awesome. I'm very glad you have a boat, but I'm not parking the street. It's my house. Can we straighten this up a little bit and just make room for me, man? That's all I have. But anyways, I'm looking at the text. It says he bought a boat. She said to me, he told me to tell you. <laughs> they all know how to work dad, don't they? I mean, they all know how to do it. They, one of them asks first, and they come with the shield, you know, so then they get whooped down, then they go back to the next one. And then the next one comes back with just a little bit, and then the, finally the third one comes, you know, and he gets it all straight. So uh, she said, he told me to tell you that you trained him well. That because you told him about the, the truck and the mower. He said, you taught him when, when you talked to him, and when you, when you taught him, we see, we taught him not, not to ask my opinion, because my opinion isn't always going to be correct. My opinion may, may or may not be just my flesh or my ideas, but the Holy Spirit will never lead you astray. And that last part of this thing or the next part of your thing says you have to be led by the Spirit of God. He, she said, he told me to tell you that you trained him well, that with the truck and the, and the mower, you trained him to be led by the Spirit, and he knows. He knows that this is God. Well, then what can he say? What, what can you do then, you know? I mean, I mean he's, he's smart, you know, he's smart. Pop's training the littlest ones to go to, to, go to Lori and Joe and present things to them like God has said to me. I mean, he's, he's teaching them how to, how to share things. Man, they work it against you and everything. But you know what? I smiled. Even, even though I'm not sure if it's right or not, even though I'm not sure if he should have bought a boat, he believes that he should, and so I stand beside that. Now, I hope he parks his boat at his Uncle Joe's place up at the lake, but I, I stand beside the fact because I, he said that you trained me right. I know this is God. See, the things that he's speaking to me now say, you, you told me how to listen. You taught me how to do that. And when I, he comes and asks me a question, he comes now most of the time prepared <coughs> with what God told him, not to ask me a question. This is what I feel like. I, this is what I'm feeling. This is what I sense. This is what I've prayed about. This is what I think I should do. What do you think? Not like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. What would you do? See, that's important. It's the, it is the absolute number one lesson, the most important thing that, that Pastor Bill ever taught me in my life. I did not like the lessons. I, Daniel hasn't been thrilled with this when he's asked me, and I said, go pray, and you come back and tell me. I mean, he hasn't been excited about that, what 18, 19, 20-year-old would. You know, he wants, he wants the answer because he wants to know he's going to be okay. Well, you're growing up into a big young man right now, and you're going to have to make some big decisions, so I need to know. I'll tell you what I think, but I need to know what you hear in your heart first. 
See, Pastor Bill always sent me out. He, if you've done anything with him, he never told you how to do it. He just said, go do it. How do I do it? Be led by the Spirit. When he left and I said, well, what, what, what can I do? He was leaving town and he said, he said, what if somebody dies? He said, do the funeral. I said, I've never done one before. He said, we'll be led by the Spirit. Lady fell, cracked her head open. I told pray, Chris, get over there and pray. That lady ain't dying on us. I can't do a funeral. She was in intensive care, man. It was, holy smokes. I, that's, I don't know how to do that. But that's the most important thing. That you, train your, you can train your children. You can teach your children the Word of God and how to be led by the Spirit. That's the most important thing. Do you, do you love them enough to train them in the way that they should go, like it says? See, the Word of God says, tramp a child in the way they go. When they get old, they will not depart from it. So those are the, those are the, that's the thing, the most important thing to me. I knew I was loved and accepted. And I knew I didn't have to worry about that. And Pastor Bill showed and taught and lived and, and shared how to be led by the Spirit of God. And because of those things, I know I'll be okay. Because I have confidence that God will lead me and that he'll guide me. Your children need to know. Your children need to know that you have confidence in them, sure. But the, ch- the children need to know that their confidence should be in God, not in you. That God has put you there to love them, to take care of them, to protect them, that he will do those things through you, but that that their confidence needs to be in him, not in them. When Rachel wanted to go to Butler, that was awesome. We will pray with you, and we will agree that God will make a way. Not that there will be a way for us, but that God will make a way. And so on her envelope, she wrote that. On, the, on her prayer request, she wrote that. When she talked to her grandma, she prayed that. Those were the things that she was standing for. Those are the things that she was believing for. She was trained and taught to do that. She has great faith because she will, she will just absolutely say, well, God will take care of it, Daddy. And she believes it. Even when Daddy's wishy-washy. <laughs> and maybe Daddy's not sure. It's good to know that your children are raised that way. You're all good fathers. You're all fantastic fathers. Don't think of yourself as anything but. If you're not a father yet, you'll be a great dad. You'll be a great father. I believe, next to being a believer and doing what God called you to do, of course, and being a wonderful husband, being a father is one of the greatest privileges, really, that can be granted in a man's life. God has entrusted you with the lives of little people. And it's a daunting thing at times. Maybe, you know, sometimes you, you might think that it might be a little bit too much. But, but don't worry. God will lead you. He'll guide you. He'll never, he'll never forsake you. He'll be right with you. There are nights where you stay up. There are nights where you cry out. There are days where you throw your hands up and say, I don't know what to do. That's exactly right. You don't ask God. Because the back end of that story with Daniel was when I began to see those things happen, I began to realize that I didn't have a clue and I didn't know how to raise a child. I didn't know how to raise anybody. <laughs> My pets hadn't made it since about five years old. I was, I, was, I was becoming fearful. What are we going to do? And in that moment, see, in that moment, I had to make a decision. So you know what? God's told me everything else I've ever wanted to know. He showed me everything else I needed to, to see. He's led me in everything else that I've asked. And so I remember, man, I stood outside the door. I was going down to the basement to where Daniel hibernates. And I, and I literally stopped before his door, and I, I, mean, I put, my, put my back up. 
It was an important time. And I didn't have a clue. And I didn't want to screw it up. And I just, I leaned up against the door. And I said, God, you got to tell me what to say. You got to show me. I need to know. I opened the door. I just sat down. And you know, all the things that I thought to do, all the things that I would say, all the stuff that made a difference to me, you can scream at me, stomp on me, and I mean, I get that. He's not wired that way. And this was important. I mean, I said, God, I got to know, man. Like, I just sat down. And then I just began to, to share with him. And I don't know what I said. I can't remember all the things that I said. But I could see it in his eyes. I could see him well up. And I could see his heart. And I could see it all happening. And I was just like, oh, this is awesome. But I couldn't go anywhere. I was just stuck at the moment. I just said, so I mean, like every, then I'm not kidding you. Like I would go down to his room. And if it doesn't matter what day it was. It doesn't matter if he was in trouble or he just needed something. I stood outside that door and I said, God, do it again. Do it again. You want to know how to raise your children? Do it that way. You don't have all the answers. What you have, they don't need. They need what he has. And they need it from you. So I want to encourage you today, no matter how old they are, I come to Bill and I want an answer and he's real quiet. Just stares at you. But he's listening. He's listening. No matter if they're this big or they're this big. Listen. Have confidence. God will show you. Let's stand up together this morning. We hope you've been encouraged, strengthened, and challenged in your walk with Jesus. If you need prayer for situations in your life, we encourage you to email us at prayer at victorylafayette.org or call our offices at 765-447-7777. If you desire to make Jesus the Lord of your life or if you've drifted away from the relationship you once had, I encourage you to pray this prayer with me today. Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. I believe Jesus died for me and rose from the dead. Today, I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I receive the forgiveness for all my sins. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you come into my life and empower me to live a victorious life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.